Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening. Welcome to Crystal Silence League Hour. We have an exciting show tonight, I suppose. Uh, if you're excited about such things as crystals and uh, divination and root work and uh, talking to spirits, tonight we will be discussing the hanged man and azurite, which is a very interesting crystal. So... Why don't you come back in just a moment? Well, we're back. We weren't gone long, but we're back. Episode 183 of the Crystal Silence League Hour. We started this as an experiment some time ago, the LMC Radio Network, just to see if it would work and to see if I would live long enough to keep it going. And some of our shows started up and some of our shows are long gone, but we have several shows that are still going strong. The Loki Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour is the longest-running show devoted to root work and conjuring. It's coming up on episode 500 before too long. And goodness gracious, what a run, what a run. Our crystal tonight is uh, azoite. Uh, Azoite is hard to find in a pure form. It's considered a rare crystal in a pure form, but you will find it as an inclusion in quartz quite a bit. 
and this is the uh, form that it's worked with quite a bit. And sometimes you'll find uh, azurite in the shape of uh, figures that seem to be trapped in the quartz or angel wings or stars. And uh, this is how many crystal workers enjoy working with it. And it's uh, considered a stone that uh, resonates with goddess energy, nature energy, angel energy. It's um, stones that are used to connect the divine feminine quite a bit and um, uh, is worked. Therefore, it resonates and harmonizes with the upper chakras, especially the throat chakra. So it's used to help clear blockages in communications of all sorts, not only verbal communications, but spiritual communication as well. Now, you can find pieces of it in the pure form. But it is mostly worked with in the quartz form, and you can find that fairly commonly. And um, um, so you'll be you'll find it with um, quartz, you'll find it with uh, shatukite, you'll find it with a uh, papagoite, and you'll find it included with uh, hematite. Sometimes the hematite agoite combination is really good um, for uh, attraction work. And um, we'll we'll talk about that. No, we'll talk about it now, uh, because hematite has uh, magnetism, slightly magnetic. Uh, hematite is uh, related to lodestone, and uh, hematite with the um, azurite in it um, used to be called in the, uh, and still is sometimes. It's one of the bloodstones, and it's very good for working with. Um, the um, circulatory system, uh, not necessarily for blood-related disorders, but for uh, sluggish energy, uh, for um, congestion of the um, uh, vitality, if you feel low energy, uh, for the etheric body, for astral projection, and for attracting blessings to you, attracting wealth to you. Um, it's a very effective combination, and you can find that fairly commonly. Um, it, it's a very amiable uh, element, very amiable stone, uh, especially or it's very friendly and easily approachable. It answers to you. You call to it, it answers. It, um, it uh, being greenish, it will resonate with the heart. It uh, raises heart, throat, third eye, brow. It will connect with the divine energy, the uh, angel energies, um, and other um, uh, higher energies. Uh, it helps you unite with them and find peace. Uh, there are people who work with uh, uh, ancient entities, uh, uh you know, the entities that uh, were said to have lived in Atlanta uh, and other ancient technology, uh, other ancient technologically advanced races. I don't know much about that. That's not one of the areas I explored much, but if you, if you're into that, you can talk to them about how age um, is used uh, in work of that nature. So age uh, is very good at, um, Communicating with these these uh, channeled beings and uh, creating communication with them. 
Um, hydrogen is uh, usually found in quartz, which is very hard, so it does not dissolve readily. And many people make a direct method uh, with their elixirs. Drop it in the water, let it bask in the sunlight or in the moonlight, and remove it and add brandy to it. Uh, I'm not, as I've said many times, uh, a proponent of direct method anymore. It doesn't take much of a element to mix with water uh, to create uh, a harmful mixture. And if an element is green, it probably has some copper in it. And you want to be very careful about uh, about copper. And um, I am not sure. I don't think I have the information about what it what uh, it is, but. Um, you don't want you don't want to um, um, have any, any harm with it. So what I usually do is always use an indirect method for um, my elixirs. I just don't want to take that chance. And I certainly don't want to take that chance with my clients. So um, I use an indirect method. I usually put it uh, under the container that I am making my elixir. I use wine bottles these days, or a any kind of bottle with a recessed bottom, and uh, that's azoite our uh, Derejo at our stone of the week. And uh, if, you, if you can get you a piece of it, I would add it to your collection. And if you're a, a person who likes to collect stones of unusual vibration, and there you have it. We are the Crystal Silence League. We were formed originally around 1917 by Claude Alexander Conlon, a very talented magical adept the purpose of projecting magical uh, prayer and affirmation via the medium of the crystal ball for all those who needed it and who asked for it. It was never forced on anybody um, and never done without anybody's uh, knowledge. So uh, Mr. Conlon passed into the silence around 1954 and took the league with him and um, it fell into repose. It lied dormant until around, uh, 2007, I think, when adepts of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches um, revived it on the interweb. And you can find it at www.crystalsilenceleague.org. And if you go there, you'll find a prayer page. And you can post prayers anytime you like. We get about 100 to 200 a week. And what you'll find when that happens, uh, someone will pray for you. And they click a little button, and you get an email. It says you have been prayed for, and our pastors pray for you daily. You'll get daily prayers from our pastors. We usually print out about 10 of them, and we put them on our candle altars. Uh, some do, and some people pray with the crystal balls. And if you want to learn how to pray with crystal balls, we have uh, techniques on the show that I, I've taught in the past. Look for the uh, four branches of crystal amancy. And we have a book that you can purchase from our gift shop, Secrets of the Crystal Silence League, which is a, com a compilation um, of the writings of our master, uh, Mr. Claude Conlon. So um, if you'll go to our prayer page, you'll see that we have uh, lots of prayers, and I'm going to read some of these aloud. And maybe if you have a prayer there recently posted, I'll read your prayer aloud. I won't call out your name. It's all anonymous. And we'll start with prayer ID 84914, who needs a financial blessing 
who says, pray that we have an overflow of blessings that we need. Pray all of our bills are paid and that our car gets fixed until we can get something better. Pray that school this year is better for my children. Protect my children, all five of them, and myself and family. Send me someone that won't hurt us all, that will love and help us unconditionally. Help me to be a good mom and be strong. Pray that no bad things shall shall prosper over us. We ask for prosperity and favor. We're grateful. Amen. And prayer ID 84913, who is trying to move forward in grief, who says, my fiancé transitioned October 2013. I transitioned into spirit, I imagine, and I am just now truly feeling emotions of sadness in July 2019. Please pray that I accept, integrate, and move forward in this situation for my highest good. Thank you all. Amen. And this is prayer ID 84912, who says, I pray that my son, L, will get a job soon so that he can support himself. Amen. And prayer ID 84911, who says, I need prayers for help in my financial side of it from my company. I need a loan to take to court my ex-partner for all the domestic abuse I have been through. To hire a lawyer, I need money, so I have asked my company to make an allowance to me. They have a loan to be able to have an occupation order. I need all my angels, archangels, to help to get it. My spiritual guides stay next to me to get free of this abusive relationship. In the name of Jesus, amen. Prayer ID 8. 4912, who needs removal of curses, hex, or spell, causing my daughter to drink and do drugs. And she says, Lord God, please help M. She is drinking to excess and doing drugs. Not only put that, but has snorted Coke, Adderall, and now Gagapetin. Maybe you guys know what that is. All given to her by people she is comfortable around. She's being led to destroy herself. She is your daughter and a good soul who loves animals. Help her, Lord God, get back on the right path for her life. Amen. Prayer ID. I need to make sure. Okay, this is prayer ID 84909. He says, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. I now have a permanent income of $20,000 each month and more. Wow. Also increasing rapidly and allowing me to make successful investments so that I have a passionate, successful life, consistent and permanent for 10 years or until I'm ready to retire. Easy. I feel free. I'm more than adequate. I travel for work. I feel at ease. My work environment is fun as I do an excellent job on a daily basis. The right and perfect fit fall in my lap quickly and easily. Amen. So this is what he's praying for. Okay. Prayer ID 84907, who prays for forgiveness and reconciliation and to rebuild a relationship. He says, I pray that A.C.F. Jr., please give C.A.B. a second chance by forgiving her and going back to what you two had and were. Don't move on and don't give up on her. And don't say no anymore because she truly is sorry and you both are in love with one another. Amen. 
And prayer ID 84906, who says, I pray that my son GJS gets favor from the judge and is released from jail immediately in protection over his life. In Jesus' name, amen. And prayer ID 84904, may God's healing love strengthen and renew every atom of my dad's body. Please continue to hold this prayer in your hearts as we receive the results of my dad's operation tomorrow morning, which is today. God flows through my dad now in all ways, restoring his health, energy, and vitality. Amen. And prayer ID 84903, who says, please let the boil Mimi has go away. Let her fur grow back in. Oh, it's a it's a pet. Let her eyes be healthy, her joints flexible. May she always be the healthy pup she is. Amen. And one last one. Prayer ID 84902. Dear Crystal Silence League, currently I have financial need and those who I have helped in the past are unable to help me. However, there is money floating around that is owed to me, promised to me, as well as money I have no idea about. This money is greatly needed and I'm asking Crystal Silence League to please pray that this money that is rightfully and legally belongs to me makes its way to me without any delay. Right now, I'm in dire need, and I have no income, so this money making its way to me will be a miracle. Thank you. Amen. She needs a money miracle. Let's have a moment of silent prayer for all those in need of prayer and support and affirmation and for this five-planet retrograde to not drop on us.
Amen. I have a cold drink with me, and I'm drinking it out of a metal straw. I bought, I bought a package of metal straws to save the planet. Apparently, plastic straws seem to be a very bad thing right now. And, um, you know, we, we have new, you know, I live 20 miles from Oak Ridge, where they have Oak Ridge Na- National Laboratory, and they have the Oak Ridge nuclear plant. And they still dig up nuclear waste. They'll, they'll break ground for a subdivision and find leaking canisters of nuclear waste that were planted from back in the uh, from the Manhattan Project and stuff. Uh, they find radioactive uh, carbon rods in caves and stuff. And they truly did, and if you don't believe me, Google it. They found glowing radioactive frogs because these frogs bred in underground caves where these carbon rods cause the water to be radioactive is it heavy water would that be heavy water i don't know but these frogs got used to the radiation level and people started reporting and they said i saw some son of a bitch glowing frog yeah 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 yeah. well then they caught some and yes these frogs glow in the dark and they studied them because you know frogs apparently adapt to anything um you know they they'd cut a frog's leg off and it would grow back they don't they're frogs they say honey badgers don't don't care about anything. Frogs, they don't care either. You boil them in water, you freeze them, they don't care. So they adapted the radiation. So I live 20 miles from Oak Ridge, which is a military target. They say, well, you know, a nuclear plant can't blow up, but ORNL is a nuclear is a military target because in the bunkers over there, there's something like uh, I don't 40 percent of the nation's weapons grade fissionable material. So I look out of my office window in the morning to see if there's like a glowing pink cloud. And uh, because uh, E equals MC squared, speed of light squared, um, by the time if I, I see that cloud, I have about two seconds to say a quick prayer before I become incinerated and turned into a, a, a cloud of protons. So the um, uh, the uh, uh, it really is so um, my contribution to try to offset the slow leakage of radioactive waste into the ground is to buy three metal straws to try to offset that damage that's being done. Yes, I'm Saint. You <laughs> Saint is my middle name. And it really is John, you know, John Saint Germain. Saint is my middle name. Ah, oh, it's refreshing. Uh, the good thing is, when you drink through a metal straw, the straw gets really cold, uh, and uh, your drink is very refreshing. It's much more refreshing than a paper or a plastic straw. You should, you should really get one of these. Get one of the flexible ones, though. Uh, apparently, the solid metal straws has been responsible for many injuries and even a couple of deaths. So um, truly, truly uh, uh, unexpected consequence. I got one of these that you can twist and bend and roll up. And uh, uh, basically what they are, and this was a very clever thing. Those are uh, cable. I'm pretty sure those are cable guards. They're just those metal cable guards. And, you know, they cut them and file the ends down. And, uh, uh, you know, these are wire cable guards, but now they're stainless steel or, uh, Aluminum. I'm not. Let me put a magnet on it. I'll tell you in a minute. 
I, the reverend, will conduct an investigation for you. They are not magnetic, so they're not they're not steel. Um, they're non-magnetic, so they will not interfere with your bio bio field, your biosphere. Uh, <clears throat> so they, they could be aluminum, or zinc, perhaps uh, nickel, maybe, probably not. If you're allergic to nickel, that'd be very bad. I don't think they're nickel. They're probably aluminum. But they bend. You can twist them. So uh, they probably will not uh, penetrate your skull, you know, if you were impacted against them. All right. We talked about our crystal. We talked about our prayers. It's time to go on to our card tonight, which is uh, Trump number 12, the Hanged Man. And when we look at this card, we... uh, were presented at first with what appears to be a very frightening image. Uh, um, many people see this and they go, oh my God. They, they think they see a man being tortured. But what we actually see is a, a, a very interesting image. We we look at a, a person who's hanging upside down from a towel cross by one leg. Uh, we see, notice that the tree is still living. It has leaves on it. But we don't see any suffering here. We see a look of intense concentration, but no real suffering. And in, in the Rider Weight Day, no real suffering. So, one of the things that's been noted by many writers and many contemplatives is that artists, writers, psychologists, people who delve into the creative and spiritual uh, observations and analyses of the world are very attracted to this card. They relate to it. They dig it. And uh, uh, occultists as well. Um, There's a tradition in many schools of initiation worldwide of hanging upside down for a period of time. You'll find it in Native American traditions in indigenous cultures around the world, in esoteric traditions of hanging upside down. And a very interesting thing, if you go to the very end of the tarot sequence, Trump 21, you find the world dancer, the world, the the completion of this entire sequence, the world that represents illumination, the, uh, Um, enlightenment the achievement of everything everything you've ever wanted all knowledge and if you turn the hanged man upside down you see that the hanged man looks very much like the world card so what we see here is a representation of the world turned upside down seen from an entirely different perspective And I'll tell you that when I was studying painting in school, I studied classical painting techniques. I mean, like art, right? You know, not wall painting, you know, not not painting your house, but classical Renaissance era uh, painting techniques. Uh, One of my instructors would advise us about halfway through the painting to take it and upside, turn it upside down. So you not see it, uh, the composition, because the composition was distracting. And you often did not understand what you were painting. You got caught up in the, uh, say you were painting a picture 
uh, you know, of a guy in a bowl of fruit, you would get distracted by the composition. You, you see a guy in a bowl of fruit, so you turn it upside down, so you would see it more abstractly. You would see line, form, color, shadow, not guy in a bowl of fruit. You were not taken in by the illusion of the material world. In other words, you turn the world upside down so that you would not be distracted by it. This is why I think we start thinking of artists, writers, psychologists, and it would be um, uh, people who see things from a different point of view. You turn the world on its head. And this is what the hangman does. This is the person who hangs upside down. We're reminded of the legend of uh, Odin, the Allfather, who hung from the world tree, got the world again, Yggdrasil, seven days and seven nights to gain the runes. The runes were very powerful. He, he, he saw the runes before his one eye because that was another thing he did. He plucked his eye out. And uh, um, uh, another price he paid to uh, gain wisdom, to gain knowledge. And so we have interesting things about this card. The uh, the Tau Cross is supposed to be the bottom part of the Ankh. And so the bottom part of the Ankh is the world. Once again, it represents the material world. And we keep coming back to this. The Egyptian symbol of life, um, which was the Ankh, um, the um, the Ankh, um, according to some writers, uh, was the Hebrew letter Tau that were associated, um, and the Tau is representative of the world as well. So the Hangman is lying halfway between the Fool and the world. The Tau represents the world. And the hangman is drawn, in this iteration at least, in an upside-down posture of the world dancer. The, these things are not accidental. These references are not accidental. The serious student of um, the tarot um, notices these things and takes note of it and um, um makes reference to it. So he's hanging from the Ankh. This is the tree of life he's hanging from. You know, this is life itself, right? And of course, Odin hung from Yggdrasil, the world tree, the tree of life. Um, the tree has its roots in the underworld, which is the unconscious. It reaches up through the physical world, the conscious. And if it were the complete Ankh, it would end up in, the he in heaven, which is the superconscious. So these ideas first represented by the diagram of the lovers begin to actually happen. And these concepts that we saw before, um, after justice, become experience. The hangman's number 12 is an inversion of 21. There's no accidents here. The hangman is an inversion of Trump 21 the world, the number 12 is an inversion of Trump 21 as well. 12 is an inversion of 21. The hangman 
himself is an inversion this as well. But beyond all of that symbolism, the hangman affects us very deeply because it shows us how we achieve peace and understanding in this world. There's very, it's a person who seems to be contorted and in a painful position, but he's very calm. He is surrendered to this, this reality that this is, that this is the world. This is how the world is. He surrendered to this. Um, so to many people, what this message comes across is that in order to gain knowledge, in order to gain wisdom, there's some discomfort. And sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes you have to wait anything worthwhile. You have to wait. Sometimes this card uh, in previous iterations meant sacrifice. Um, I, I want to read to you what uh, Arthur Ed, Edward Waite said for himself. Um, uh, the pictorial key to the tarot is sometimes not helpful to uh, beginners. Um, as you gain experience with the tarot, it does. Uh, so um, remember that uh, Arthur Edward Waite and Pamela Coleman Smith were creating in the Major Arcana um, from the notes of uh, Eliphas Levy, the alchemist. They were working from his notes and then adding you know, their own interpretations to it as well. So uh, Arthur Edwards' notes on this says, this is the symbol which is supposed to represent prudence. And Eliphas Levy says in his most shallow and plausible manner that it is the adept bound by his engagements. The figure of a man is suspended head downward from a gibbet to which he is attached by a rope about one of his ankles. The arms are bound behind him, and one leg is crossed over the other. The man himself forms a towel cross, by the way. Um, <clears throat> according to another, and indeed the prevailing interpretation, he signifies sacrifice. But all current meanings attributed to this card are cardomancist intuitions, apart from any real value on the symbolical side. The fortune tellers of the 18th century who circulated tarots, depict a semi-feminine youth in a jerkin, poised erect on one foot and loosely attached to a short stake driven into the ground. And that's true. If you look at some of the tarots of the 18th century, the hangman is tethered, showing limitations. The gallows from which he is suspended forms a towel cross, while the figure, from the position of the legs, forms a fill-fought cross, there's a nimbus about the head of the seeming martyr. It should be noted that first, the tree of sacrifice is living wood with leaves thereon. Second, that the face expresses deep entrancement, not suffering. Third, that the figure as a whole suggests life in suspension, but life and not death. It's a card of profound significance, but all the significance is veiled. One of his editors suggests that Eliphas Levy did not know the meaning, which is unquestionable, nor did the editor himself. <laughs> it has been called falsely a card of martyrdom, a card of prudence, a card of the great work, a card of duty. But we may exhaust all published interpretations and find only vanity. 
I will say very simply on my own part that it expresses the relation in one of its aspects between the divine and the universe. He who can understand that the story of his higher nature is embedded in the symbolism will receive intimations concerning a great awakening that is possible and will know that after the sacred mystery of death, there is a glorious mystery of resurrection. So does the hanged men present death and resurrection? You know, it seems a lot of people reading AU8 are frustrated. They say, well, how how does that apply here? We're looking at a uh, a rite of initiation. We're looking at um, – I'll, I'll tell you that there's a movie called A Man Called Horrors. Uh, uh, Richard Harris joins an Apache tribe, and they they hang him basically from hooks in his back upside down. And he has a spirit vision after several days of hanging upside down by hooks that are stuck in his back. Uh, he enters the spirit world and comes back transformed. And that is a very good interpretation of the process we're looking at here. Not a physical death, but a spiritual death and rebirth. That for the new you to come into being, the old you must turn the world on its head. You, you flip it around. And when when you talk to people as a spiritual counselor, uh, you have to take into consideration where they are now, right? Uh, the Buddha was very good at this. This is why some of the teachings in Buddhism seem to be contradictory. And the same thing with the Bible. There are contradictions in holy books because they're great teachers – and even adequate teachers take into consideration who they're teaching. You don't teach a kindergartner the same lessons you teach someone who's graduating from college, a senior in college. You cannot. You tell a, a child fairy stories to try to get them understanding some of the ways the world works. It's okay to teach a kid about Santa Claus before you teach a kid about a higher power. You're teaching a kid about a higher power that giving – the lesson of Santa Claus is that giving is a blessed thing, that receiving gifts is a wonderful thing. And I, I don't understand parents who say, well, I don't want my kids to believe in lies. Santa Claus is not a lie. Santa Claus is a principle. You know What the hell is wrong with people? So what we see in the hanged men is this idea that illumination – comes by turning the world upside down. What does that mean? On one very simple level, very simple, when you say you can't, I can't, I shouldn't, I wouldn't, you turn it around. I can, I should, I would. Very simple level. You turn the things the world tell you upside down. But on another level, you look at the world and the world looks a certain way. You turn that upside down. You turn it on its head. What's behind the elusive truth that the world tells you. You question what's before you. You question everything. We talked about that on the show. When you're looking at a brick, you're not looking at a brick. You're looking at a picture that your brain is telling you. You're looking at a construction of your brain about a brick. Everything you think you know about a brick is what your uh, your brain has created. Everything you think you know about a snake is conditions that your brain has created. You know nothing about a snake. 
there's no real experience that the senses created. You turn it upside down. You can completely turn everything you think you know about the world upside down. This is the lesson of the hangman. That nimbus around his face is the moment of realization that you've seen the world wrong. And once you know you once you know what you don't know, then you, that's where the true wisdom is. It's time for station identification. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie. Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain. Tuesdays, 5 to 6. Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse. Fridays, 4 to 5. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay. Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Well, we're back. We're back. Now, if we're looking at the, the hangman again, um, we look at him in various iterations. Sometimes the hanged man is suspended over water. Um, some people pointed out the hanged man, his crossed legs represents the figure four upside down. Four can represent the four directions of the earth, uh, the four elements. Um, there's, it's a symbol, alchemical symbol. It's a triangle. Um, there, there's a wealth of symbols here. Um, so, um, the um, the Kabbalah assigns the uh, letter M Mem to this, which is water. Uh, there are so many so many levels of meaning to this card that we can uh, we can dive very deep into it. To give this card a keyword or sacrifice. You have to wait. You have to sacrifice to get what you want. Uh, seems to me a vast oversimplification. It seems to me a very vast oversimplification. If you are going to use a divinatory meaning to this card, it seems to me that everything you think you know about your situation, um, you might need to look at it from a different point of view. You might need to turn it on its head. Or something that someone tells you may be exactly opposite of what is really going on. You might need to step back and look at it, you know, turn it around. Or your approach might be the exact opposite of what has to happen to make this occur. Step back and approach it from the opposite situation, the opposite point of view. Or you might need an aha moment you might just have to stop to stop what you're doing sometimes the best thing to do is nothing and wait for inspiration artists poets creators psychologists love this card there's something about it that just says yes there's something within us that when you stand still and don't think suspend yourself suspend 
the brain, to suspend the mind, suspend thinking, suspend disbelief, suspend, suspend all that, shut the world off, just wait, turn the world off, something happens, there's a process, there's an inspiration, knowledge from the great pool of wisdom will come to you and you find out that, yes, you know everything that you need to know. You don't have to look to the world for inspiration, wisdom, knowledge. You don't need to ask anybody. It's there. The runes will be revealed to you. And you, you put them on your staff and you go rule the world. You know, you know, Odin's downfall came because he broke his promises. He broke his word. Where this card warns us is that when we think we know everything, when our ego takes over, where we try to take control, see the hangman has no control. He's hanging by one foot, his arms are behind his back, and he's at perfect peace. He says, I have let go control. I've given up pushing. I've given up trying to become. I've given up controlling my life. I've given up trying to control the world. Let the world go on without me. The world can turn without me today. I don't know about tomorrow or the next day, but for this moment right now, the world can mind its own business. And at that moment, the realization comes to him that by letting go of control, he's in perfect control of the one thing that matters, his own peace of mind. He is in control of his mind, his reactions. The world has no control over him. He's turned the world on it's not him that's upside down. He's turned the world on his head. I think this is the lesson of the hangman. This is what the story is about. I think if you look in the world literature about the rights of initiation, the, uh, when the uh, initiate was hung upside down, he was left alone. They walked away. They left him. Uh, that feeling of helplessness, that feeling of being left alone, the vigil through the night, so the spirits uh, impart their wisdom. So the uh, initiate can be taken into the uh, the non-physical world for the revelation to occur. Um, a very important thing, not for everybody, certainly not for everybody. That route can lead to madness for some. But for others, it could lead to illumination and enlightenment and the greatest of high, the highest greatest of wisdom. Um Milarepa had something similar. Um, when Milarepa went through a similar situation, he was first taunted by demons who tried to scare him away. He stood fast, and then the uh, guardians of uh, the Dharma appeared before him, and he emerged as a fully enlightened Buddha. Um, dozens of stories like this. Do you have the courage to do this? Do you have the courage to turn the world upside down and and completely abandon the ways of the world and become a sage. It's a it's a frightening thing. It's a frightening thing. There's a um, a uh, a thing that happens to people who meditate a lot, and they're on the verge of becoming what's called a stream enterer in Buddhism. They begin to realize that the self, this construction that we have, where we think we have a self. Or we realize the nature of self. We do have a self, but the self doesn't exist independently. It's a, it's a functional 
construction of what's called in Buddhism the the, the khandas, the the five khandas, and when through meditation you begin to realize that there's no true existence of anything independently, that everything arises from conditions and is interdependent, including yourself. There's a great fear. That's called that's called sunyata. Uh, sunyata sometimes is uh, uh, defined as emptiness or void, but that's not it. It really better translation is transparency. Everything is reality is transparent. Like that brick is not really a brick. It's it's a series of activities. Uh, if you take the brick apart, you wind up with uh, uh, causes and conditions. At some point, you you have nothing but activities. You have actions. You can't separate a noun from its verb. That's that's where we make the mistakes. We we think of objects doing things, and there's no object. There's just actions. There's just doing things. There's just thing. There 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 are actions. There are no objects. There's just actions. So when we begin to realize that about ourselves through meditation, there's a panicky moment that many people. It's called sunyata terror, and you go, oh my God, no 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 no. It's like, I always think of it it's like when the Roadrunner and Coyote cartoons, when the coyote walks out and he, and he looks down and there's a moment when he realizes there's no solid ground under him. You ever see those? He's standing on empty air and he's looking around. Then he looks straight down and there's a moment when he realizes he's on empty air and he looks at, at you. The, you know, the fourth wall's broken and he looks at you and his eyes get really wide and there's a revelation that you know he's screwed. He's, he just looks at you. And usually his Adam's apple goes up and down his goal, and his eyes get really wide. He, he waves at you like goodbye, and he falls down into the abyss. And I've always thought that's what sunyata terror feels like—the fear that I don't really exist, and uh, uh, that prevents many people from that moment of illumination, from that enlightenment, because they feel if I go into that, I won't. I'll disappear. I'll become fog. I'll just become vapor. And then the Buddha said, consciousness is like a soap bubble. Consciousness is like fog. Consciousness is like the inside of a reed. Uh, consciousness is foam. And uh, he, he wasn't just talking about metaphors. And he said, how you know how can you cling to a soap bubble? What what form is there in a soap bubble? Um, that's called the Fina Suda. If you want to look it up, P H E N A Suda. And if you read it. He said, consciousness is like a magic trick. He said, a discerning man watching a magic trick will see there's nothing to it. And he said, he said how can you put any any uh, faith in a magic trick? How can you put any faith in a soap bubble? A man of discernment sees a soap bubble and realizes there's nothing nothing in it. How can you put any faith in a soap bubble? So I think the hanged man here is looking for that moment. He's looking, turns the world upside down, and you know he shakes all the reality out of it. And he sees there's nothing to it, human endeavor. The madness of human endeavor, the emptiness in it, uh, the things that everybody thinks is so important. Uh, um, uh, you want to see madness? Go to Facebook threads. Go to comment threads on YouTube. Look at all the effort and wasted time on these things, and you think, why? Why, why is this so important? Why? And you see there's no productivity there. There's no forward movement there. There's no knowledge there. There's no enlightenment there. 
There's no wisdom there. It's activity without substance. It's a soap bubble. And the hangman has walked away from that and is gaining true enlightenment. This is what this image is telling us. See, the, the towel cross is bearing leaves. There's a story. Oh, do I have any time for this? Yeah. Uh, Tannhauser, Heinrich Tannhauser was a musician who found Venusberg, and he was the lover of the goddess Venus. Well, then he comes back. He's, I'm, I'm bored with all this pleasure. I'm tired of all this great sex and slaves waiting on me and this wonderful food. I want to go back to the world. I want to, I want challenges. Well, he does, but then he enters a music contest and he sings a song about you know how great sex was with the goddess Venus and all these Christian knights. Oh my God, no! And so they tell him they they want to kill him, but then uh, the who's in love with him says, no, he can go to Rome and the Pope will forgive him. And so he goes, yes, that's what I do. I'll go to Rome and the Pope will forgive him. So he goes with all these uh, pilgrims to Rome <clears throat> and, and Pope Urban says, sooner will this staff I'm holding sprout green leaves than can you enter heaven after having intercourse with a pagan goddess and he throws the staff down. So Tannhauser comes back after all this weary journeying and he, deprivation. He's just a man clinging, barely clinging to life. And he tells his friends that, he says, the Pope told me that this dry staff that's dried up and dead will sprout green leaves. Then I can enter Rome and I could enter heaven. And then he starts calling for Venus again. Venus, take me, goddess. I'll come back to you. This world's not for me. And then you hear Venus come to me foolish mortal and then everybody's real terrified but then uh his uh girlfriend the princess who who prayed herself to death uh, praying for him um they call out her name and uh heinrich um calls out for her to save him and he dies well they pick up the staff and it's got leaves on it which was kind of a screw you to the pope the, uh, the lesson of that was that the Pope had no authority to say who is going to enter heaven. And so we have on this uh, towel cross, which seems to be constructed of um, lumber, it has sprouted like Tannhauser's staff, green leaves, in defiance of the laws of nature. It's an act of magic an act of faith. And <clears throat> and as um, it's been said of such things, if you think that magic works because you believe in it, you don't understand belief or magic. Magic works because of the power of he who can control the elements. And so at this moment of illumination, is this what happened? Did the dry staff sprout leaves like Heinrich Tannhauser? Did even though the Pope told him, no, no, that, that staff will sooner in defiance of the world that we think we have to follow rules to enter the kingdom of God. No, no. And because one of the things that uh, Arthur Waite was adamant, and we see again and again and again and again in his uh, symbology, is the divine is intermingled with the flesh and the world of, of mankind, of humankind, and it's, it's there for you to call on. You don't have to go through institutions or other people. It's intermingled. 
and it's there for all of us to call upon if you know how. You got to know how to ask. And at this moment of illumination, the hangman has a halo. He has achieved the divine while still in flesh. This is the lesson we have. And look at the tarot of, of, of uh, Marseille. We have the hangman hanging, the same figure, but we don't have the halo. We don't have that intercession of the divine. We still have the idea of hanging upside down. We have, uh, we don't have the towel cross. We have a, a gibbet. We do have the uh, crossed legs and the bound arms. And uh, this hanged man doesn't look like he's suffering. He doesn't look like he's uh, concentrating. He, to me, looks like he's bored. He's just like, eh, you know, like he's waiting for something, like he's bored. Um, it looks like one of those uh, medieval punishments, like when they put you in the stocks and just made you wait. You know, you're going to be in the stocks for 48 hours. You know, we're lusting after the preacher's wife. Um, 48 hours? Oh, man, come on. And uh, you're just kind of waiting for the ordeal to end. Um, there doesn't seem to be an end game here. So I, I just don't know. Um, you know, this is why you would think, well, you, you know, you you put in your time and you get your reward. I think that's where that comes from. But uh, Arthur Waite, Pamela Coleman-Smith, they really came up with something here. They really packed a lot of imagery in that card. We're about out of time, so I think that what we're going to do is uh, stop here and come back next week with Trump 13. The Pale Rider. And boy, do I have a lot to say about him. Why don't you come back? And we'll talk about that. See you then. <laughs>